1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, October the fifth, two thousand and twenty-one. Today's show: former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joins me. He does each and every single Tuesday to help break down the Gamecocks twenty-three to fourteen win over the Troy Trojans over the weekend, as well as look ahead to this weekend's game as South kind of looks for their first SEC win of the two thousand twenty-one football season as they travel to Knoxville, Tennessee, to take on on the Tennessee Volunteers. Guys, we got all that much more here in a packed Tuesday show, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention that companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom creating and packaging special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for guys whether in the upstate or across the state of south carolina if you have any moving needs in 2021 be sure to check out our friends over at upstate movers group you can find them on social media at upstate movers group of course if you have any other questions go to their website upstatemoversgroup.com that's upstatemoversgroup.com be sure to check them out and tell them chris from the spurs up show sent you let's get it The Spurs up shows he does each and every single Tuesday. Former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath. Alex is going to help me just try to break down and make sense of really what happened over the weekend in a wild and wacky game the Gamecocks. Do improve to three and two. They do get the win over Troy, twenty-three to fourteen. We'll also look ahead to this weekend, another crucial SEC matchup. A Shane Beamer actually looks for his first SEC win, still as South head football coaches. The Gamecocks travel to Knoxville and Rocky Top, a place that Alex McGrath is very familiar with to take on the Tennessee. Volunteers, A lot to get into. Alex, again, appreciate you taking the time. Before we get going, again, thank you so much for doing this yet again, Alex, and uh, appreciate you taking the time. How was your weekend? I know you were at williams Bryce Stadium, got to bring your daughter. You said her first-ever game, and, I mean, what a game to bring her to. I mean, it had all the dramatics you could have asked for.
2: It did. It had a lot of fireworks. Um, She was most excited about the fireworks, I think, if I could tell (laughs) tell all the listeners that. Actually, let me back that up. She was the most excited about the fire that shoots out of the towers when the players come onto the field. And we it took some consoling to let her know that that wasn't going to happen again. But fortunately, there were some other fireworks in the game. Um, you know, as I was telling you before we got on, the game kind of slowed down there a little bit in the second quarter, and we lost her for a little while to YouTube on my cell phone. But we got her some snacks at halftime, and she rallied right back. So we were there in good know. shape.
1: You think you think you might have a little pyromaniac on your hands with the the fire oh, and the sure. fireworks
2: for sure. Yeah. No, no doubt. <laughs>
1: A handful either way. But like you said, what a game to bring her to because Gamecocks not only was it, I mean, so- certainly wasn't short of any sort of dramatics or flair, uh, but the Gamecocks do get the W, 23-14. to 14. Again, Alex, we're going to dive into this one. Um, first things first, I mean, you know, I guess it's hard to probably rank it, if you will, but as far as like wacky Carolina football games that you've either been a part of or watched, that I feel like that one's got to sort of be up there with some of the weirder USC games that you could probably recall.
2: I mean, I don't even know what I would compare that to. (laughs) I really don't. Like, it was tomfoolery of the utmost degree. I I just – I don't even know what to compare that to. I mean, that sequence where we dropped the ball before the goal line was the most bizarre thing I think I've ever seen.
1: To to me, Alex, that play felt like a summary of Gamecock football, at least over the last couple of years and maybe even this year, where it's like – the the emotional roller coaster of that entire play. And then yeah. the oh, the, yeah. the letdown of of dropping the ball early. It was like I was like, I was like, if I had to summarize Gamecock football in one sequence of events, I would just cut that play on.
2: Yeah, it's like, oh, we got it. No, we don't. Oh, we got it again. Oh, we <laughs> scored. No, we did Okay, nah, let's just, yeah, that, carry on. <laughs> that, that, I think that, again, that play, if nothing else,
1: described Gamecock fans' emotions watching their favorite team each and every single Saturday. You know, Alex, we spent the entire week for the majority last week, especially, you know, on our live streams and our content and stuff, talking about offense and complaining about Marcus Satterfield and their shortcomings. And certainly, you know what, they're justified. Hey, they're justified this week. But I want to start defensively because – I mean, where would this football team be right now without Clayton White, Jimmy Lindsay, Torian Gray, that entire defensive staff, what they did? Is it still a unit that needs to work out some things in regards to the run game and run defense? Certainly. But the opportunistic plays. I mean, another week with a pick six. I know we had sort of this similar similar conversation, I should say, last week at this time, but I just feel it's important, man. Like, we've got to continue to show love and appreciation for Clayton White, what he's done on the defensive side. Because, again, you look at last year, the guys you had, the talented players you had, the guys who are in the NFL now, and you lose those guys, and you're just worlds better defensively. Being there in person in the building, Alex, your takeaways from the defensive performance that you could really argue won you that football game on Saturday.
2: Oh, for sure. And I think the the biggest compliment I could pay to the defense right now is if they hadn't shown up in the fashion they had, and Clayton White had not done the job that he has done so far, I think we're one and four, without a doubt. Hmm. Because, I mean, they've scored a lot of points. They put the offense in positions to be successful. I mean, sure, like, did Troy gash us a little bit every once in a while on Saturday? They did. But to your point, you know, they're playing incredibly opportunistically right now where they're playing super aggressive. They're ball hawking. They're stripping balls. They're getting turnovers. And that's all you can ask for, you know, probably a unit that is undermanned at the linebacker and secondary position right now. So, I mean, tip of the cap to Clayton White. I don't know how they keep doing it, but they keep doing it.
1: Yeah. And you say undermanned, and, I, and I've said that all season as well. And I, I want people to understand it's like, we're not saying there aren't good players in that team, but like logistically, Correct. logistically, it just like, it doesn't make a ton of sense, to be honest with you. But I mean, like you mentioned, man, there's still holes in the defense. Sure. But I will take holding an opponent to 308 total yards basically every time. I, I will I will take that. You should win that football game at home if you can hold an opponent to 300 yards of offense. Again, you had two forced fumbles, you had two interceptions. I guess that's what impresses me most, Alex, is you are a bit quote-unquote undermanned, especially in the secondary, but you're doing so much more with so much less. I mean, seeing a guy like Jalen Foster, who was a two-star recruit yeah. that I mean, he's like all-American caliber right now. You see a guy, David Spaulding, who was a Georgia Southern transfer making a big play on the pick six. And obviously what your D-line continues to do, it's, it's – to me, it's just – it's nothing short of, you know, remarkable. And and certainly the competition will stiffen up a bit, you know. But right now you're ranked top 30 in the country in defense. So I, it's, it's just, well, to me, yeah. it's a job I mean, well done across the board.
2: I mean, you wipe Georgia off of that equation, and they haven't given up more than, what,
1: 17 two points? touchdowns yeah. two touchdowns yeah. to
2: anybody mm. that's huge yeah <laughs> i mean i mean granted it's not the stiff to your point it's not the stiffest of competition but given what we saw last couple of years i mean that's a gigantic step in the right direction yeah, and when i, I say and just to clarify when i say undermanned i just there's good players to your point there's just not three deep of yeah. good players on that defense so
1: yeah, top to bottom, very similar to the rest of this football team, which, again, speaking on the defense, the reason they've had to be so good for the first five games is because of South Carolina's offensive ineptitude, 356 total yards. But I think, Alex, what's most disturbing right now for most Gamecock fans, I told you, which is a pair of things. Number one, you ran the ball for 101 yards, 3.6 yards per carry against the Troy Trojans. The other thing is this, your defense keeps putting you in position to be successful. They keep putting you in these spots with short fields, and the moments where, again, I I know this is not Steve Spurrier, and I'm not trying to make any unfair comparisons, but moments where I would remember Steve Spurrier, if he got that type of opportunity, he's going for the jugular. He's going for the knockout blow. And South Carolina just does not have that as a part of their game right now. Again, you were there in the building. Let's start with Satterfield and play calling first. I tend to think things did improve, although the offensive – Output maybe didn't. Did you have any issues with the play calling uh, on the game Saturday against Troy?
2: Not really, which feels like which feels kind of like a cop out answer. And the reason I say that is because seeing the offensive line in person, I I don't I don't know what you, I really don't know what you could change, right? It, you know because you know me watching it and like watching the route progressions, like there's guys open back there. If you can give Luke two, three seconds, but you know, a lot of the time that's not even happening. And so I don't, I don't know how to, the plays that he's dialing up, there are open receivers for that ball to go to. The problem is you don't have time to get it there. So now that becomes like, well, do you know that or not? Are you scheming to that or not? And that's an answer I don't have. I can tell, I can tell you that there are receivers downfield that are open if you can get the time to get into them. And the question now becomes like, that's fine and that's good and it's great that you can draft that up. But at the same time, can you even stop the people that are in front of you? Mm. And if you can't do that, it doesn't matter how open somebody is down the field because you can't get the ball to them. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I, re- I really wish I had an answer there for you because it seems like it should be working but it's not because of that fundamental flaw. Well, I And mean, also, think, you know, pointing out the rushing statistics right. too, you know, tw- like we're, we're taking 20 off the top of that for sacks, yeah. which <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. right?
1: Well, and I think that's what's the point you make though, Alex, what's so maddening is it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and I, I mean, do you think there's any hope for this offensive line? Because we're kind of getting to the point where there's still a lot of season left and you can improve week to week to week. But I mean, we're going into week six now against Tennessee and it's like, I mean, if you haven't figured it out at all through the first six weeks, it's like, you kind of just are becoming, that's just who you are. And that's why I said going
2: yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is just like, look, that's who we are. That's what it's going to be this year. Like we don't have elite pass protectors, but you know, like we were talking about last week, like the run's not working. You got to throw the ball. And we actually threw the ball fairly decently Mm -hmm. this week, despite, you know, several drops, a couple of missed throws. But I mean, you kind of, back into that and say well you know this is what Luke's fourth start yeah that was his Total.
1: get this Alex that was his first at career win as a starting quarterback that he started the game and we won that was his first win I mean so that's how young how about, he is that's how young how about he that is.
2: yeah uh, <laughs> but you know to that point you know we threw the ball 34 times right right and you know we gained 255 yards through the year so I mean that may be where we have to go with this, you know, running those reverses to Josh Van yielded very positive results. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you kind of take those things into consideration. Like we added some wrinkles. We threw the ball more than we normally would have. Did we have more success with it? I mean, statistically speaking, yes. I mean, did it matter a ton on the scoreboard? Not really. But, you know, those are the kinds of improvements you can make to see if that thing works against somebody like Troy before you go and do that against Tennessee. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to me, it's really just a matter of scaling back what you're doing from a protection standpoint, just like go in there and make that as simple as possible. Like you block the man in front of you. I know it is way more complicated than that. And I don't like mean to belittle it, but you got to do something different in that arena to improve that. And I think that's probably the best answer. Yeah.
1: You know, Auburn did just fire their wide receivers coach. You think Greg Atkins should be worried about his job security a little bit or not?
2: I don't think <laughs> and, so. And I
1: hate I hate to, like, bring up job security, at, you know, October the 4th, but I've had people asking me, and I'm like, listen, whatever decision Shane Beger makes, he's a grown-ass man getting paid millions of dollars to coach kind of football. So whatever he says goes is going to go. But it's just – it's head-scratching. It's hard to connect the dots on what's going wrong up front. I, I thought the thing that really, Alex, summarized it all up was, again, I came into the week saying, hey, if you got to throw it more, because I agree with you, you got to just make the adjustment. If you're Satterfield – I mean, there's being stingy in the run game, and there's always there's also just pure madness and lunacy where you keep doing the same thing over and over, and you expect a different result, and it doesn't happen. But that first series, that first drive, you're down there first and goal at the five-yard line, and you throw three straight passes. And I'm like, that just right there goes to show how little they trust that offensive line. Because if this was last year, I mean yeah. – I'm like, there's no doubt we don't get it in from the five yard line with Kevin Harris and that big offensive line, but that's just not your reality this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, to some degree for sure. Um, yeah, it, it's it's head scratching at best. It's also head scratch. I mean, and then you know we're also not taking into account like you know how hurt is Luke, and why or why is he not running the ball more than he is. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing that makes me optimistic, Alex, is just continuing through the season is that Luke Doty, again, he's getting better, maturing, growing, but also he's getting healthier. And again, I want to move to that. I want to move to Luke Doty, like you mentioned, Alex, 20 of 34, 255 yards, a touchdown. I think what impresses me most, Alex, is he's a guy that for the most part is continuing to not put the ball in harm's way, which is a very, very big deal. Um, I- I'll tell you this, Alex, long story short, I think if you're, if you're looking at this offense right now and it has many issues, but if you're looking at this offense and the first thing you point to is the quarterback position, I think you just want to dislike Luke Doty at this point because to me, he's playing fine football. He needs some help. He needs some help in the run game. He needs wide receivers to catch the ball. That would also help. Mm, that would that would help. Yeah, but your overall evaluation of Luke Doty, and I, I thought he played a solid football game for you on Saturday, but your overall thoughts on him.
2: I, I think he's played really well the entire time, personally. I mean, and again, like this – he played. He spent most of last year wide receiver. They throw him into quarterback in the last couple of weeks in the season, you know. So he's got his first like actual full year in the position. Gets hurt in camp, can't practice. You bring him back in it against Georgia, who again just have to go on the record. We're the only team that scored on offense against Georgia this year, <laughs> which offensive woes aside, is kind of mind boggling. Neither here nor there, though. Brilliant. Um. But, you know, you kind of throw him back into that situation. It's like, can you get better like the next couple of weeks? And it's like, you know, against Kentucky, we tried to run the ball and establish a run game. which wasn't there. Mm -hmm. You know, when we asked him to throw the ball a lot more this weekend. And I I think he did a good job of it. I mean, certainly like, yeah, you're going to miss. We had a lot. We had drops. So, okay. But I think he's looked pretty good. All things considered.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I'd agree, especially what he has to work with. I mean, I'll tell you this, Alex, if you, because I I know you certainly remember our, our first show, basically the season, where I said, you know, I was proven wrong this weekend because I really thought I was like, you know, in games where you throw it 30 times or more, I think you'll lose. And, but I also didn't expect for us to not be able to run the ball for more than 120, 130 yards or can't even hit four yards per carry. So, really, like you mentioned, all things considering, If you had told me we'd be three and two at this point with as bad as the run game. And I mean, it's, we're not like over-exaggerating. It's been bad. It's been really, really bad. If you'd have told me South Carolina'd be three and two at this point with those things all standing, I would have said that's by far the best case scenario, but you've still found a way to get the job done, which I guess is all that really matters. I mean, do you think for this offense moving forward, does it need to be a, because you don't want to just completely give up on the run game but it was kind of like I said going into Troy. It's like you kind of have to fail fast. Like you don't really have the time to be stingy in the run game. Like you're going to need to score more than 20 points to win probably in Knoxville and for the rest of your season. I mean, how would you approach it offensively? How would – I guess putting you on the spot, if you had to call plays for this group, what What would you do?
2: I would err on the side of throwing too much. Yeah. Because I think that gives you the best opportunity to strike. Strike quickly. Like, where, Like, okay, l- let's look at it this way. Like your best playmakers on offense right now are where?
0: Yeah, and it's on the probably
2: outside. it's yeah exactly. It's probably yeah. Josh Van. I mean, obviously Kevin Harris is a stud, but you know, <laughs> you you got you got to help him or at least open up a hole for him to get going. And we just haven't been able to do that so far. So if you can feature, you know, Josh Van, Jaheem Bell, Nick Muse you know, throw swing passes to Juju McDowell, I think that gives you the best chance to win, get Luke in mobile situations, let him throw on the run. He's done a good job of that. So if you can create, you know, pseudo running plays in that fashion, I think that gives you the best chance to win. So that's the side I would err on. Also, EJ Jenkins. Let him go throw it. Yeah, EJ, that was a a heck of a catch and run by him to get in the end zone. So, I mean – yeah, I mean, you you got to get it to the players that you feel like give you the best chance to win, and if that's through the air right now, that's what you have to do.
1: Yeah, I know we've talked a lot about Beamer ball, Alex. Obviously, you got to see it in person for the first time. Your, your thoughts on uh, Pete Limbo and Shane Beamer's You know, it's 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 crazy. Shane Beamer has actually made special teams fun to watch for I think all of us. Oh, it's, that's it's not a, normally it's the best. yeah, that's not <laughs> normally like you know you're looking forward to that week after week. But I'm I'm kind of to the point now. I'm like, damn, what what do we have? You know, what do we have up our sleeve this week? You know what I mean? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm very uh, excited
2: to find out, though. Yeah. I, I'm sure there's a wonky onside kick coming at some point, and I'm very excited to see it.
0: Yeah.
1: It w- was there, I'll ask you this, Alex. Was there anything being there in person? Because it, it is different watching it on TV versus in person. Was there anything being there in person that you feel you learned about this football team that maybe you hadn't picked up on to this point in the season?
2: No, I don't think so. I mean, it was it was jarring to kind of see you know our struggles at the line in person rather than on TV because I mean like looking at the size difference of our O line versus their D line and watching the success their D line had was you know you know here we are again after week five concerning um, but no, not not really I mean Luke I mean Luke I thought Luke played really well you know I thought the Running backs when they had a chance to get into space did well. Uh, no, I didn't really see anything different than I would have seen on TV, yeah. other than the <laughs> glaring lack of attendance. Yeah,
1: yeah, that. I, and I don't, I don't, I didn't want to get into that too much, but uh, I think it's a. I dude, I think it's just a battle that all teams around college football are fighting, and you factor in a bunch of different factors of why people didn't show up, whether it be COVID concerns or it be because you just lost to Kentucky or that you're playing Troy or whatever it might be you end up with a crowd like you had at Williams-Brice City. By the way, that's neither here nor there. Whatever. It is what it is. Um, looking ahead to this weekend, though, Alex, first thing I'll ask you, obviously, as a player, you went to Knoxville, you went to Neyland. Favorite memories? What do you recall from going up there? Obviously, it's one of the one of the great venues in college football, and uh, their fans will be ready to go, and Rocky Top will be playing nonstop probably that entire game. But things that stick out from your time as a player going up there and taking on the Vols.
2: Uh, Definitely, two. Swings with field goals, for mm. sure, um, would be the biggest ones. You know, obviously, Josh Brown hit that one in 05 to win it, you know, for I think – which I think was our, our first victory in the yeah. end. Mm. Um, and then in 07, you know, obviously the overtime game with the missed field goal was mm. tough. 07 okay, was right? just
1: – 07 was just a really tough year. Like, it was
2: a lot of heart- yeah, heartbreaking in that, went- that second <laughs> half. <laughs> That da- that went downhill really quickly <laughs> after after Vandy, um, the uh, which you know you know suck a miss, but you know so I, I'd say suck I've got the, the better end of that deal as he's still kicking. Yes, <laughs> yes. NFL, as he, as hit it, he hit a bomb last well. night, hit a hit a bomb yes,
1: Sunday night for the Bucks.
2: Yes, yes, um, you know, so it, it's a it's a cool venue, you know, to see in person. It's a giant stadium. There's going to be a hundred thousand people there. It's. Mm. It's 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 one of the cool road venues that when you're getting, you know, sold to go play at an SEC school is one of the benefits of that is getting to go and play in those environments whether it's you know up at Nealon down at Sanford the Swamp LSU you know all those iconic stadiums that you get to go be a part of.
1: Now, Alex, the Gamecocks open is a twelve point underdog in this game. That line since dropped to ten points. And I'm sure you probably saw what Tennessee did over the weekend, but they absolutely throttled the Missouri Tigers, ran for like 450 yards. I look at this Tennessee team, Alex, and again, really just high-level overview. Um, They've made some improvements under Josh Hubbell, but I think it's still a very imperfect team. And I think they're kind of figuring things out just like South Carolina is. What I'm really intrigued to see is this, because you and I both saw the mindset of South Carolina fans going into the Kentucky game. How many were saying... This is a must win. This is a must win. And I kept saying, no, it's not. It holds the same weight, which, by the way, that Kentucky team, they're not they are not too bad themselves.
2: Turns out uh, un- they're not bad.
1: Turns out they're not terrible. They are undefeated. Uh, either way, though, either way, um, you know, I-, I wonder how fans will approach this game. And I'm curious to hear how you're approaching it as well. Because, again, I look at Tennessee very similar to Kentucky as if you're looking to, obviously, the goal is to get to six wins, get to a bowl game. Also, Alex, by the way, you can hit the over this weekend in the over or under win total. How about that? Um, that's a little side note for you. But either way, how are you viewing this game against Tennessee? Because, again, I'm curious if fans will be putting the same expectations and same weight. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's a must win, but I will look at this game and say, especially after I think Auburn looks a little, little bit better than I expected, going to LSU and winning um, – I know Mizzou looked really bad, but you got to go to their place. But I think to get to bowl eligibility this year, this one's pivotal, no doubt. How are you viewing this game up at Rocky Top?
2: This – and this may be just me speaking as a Stockholm Syndrome fan from the Champ years, but I'm really just looking – like, I just want to see us get better. Yeah. And that's it. I just want to see us get better on offense. Like, defense has played way above their skis. Mm. Like – They're going to get turnovers. They're going to put us in a good spot. Like, can we capitalize on that? If we can capitalize on that stuff and not just shoot ourselves in the foot, play after play after play, whether it's, you know, penalties, getting stuffed in the backfield, any of that stuff. Like, if we can start to eliminate some of those things and play well on offense and build confidence for the rest of the season, that's 100% what I want to see, whether we win or lose. Mm. Do I think we cover? Yes.
1: I think that's fair. I, I was actually very surprised to see that the spread be quite that big. I don't know if it's an overreaction to what Tennessee did or, but I, I don't look at the Vols as, as world beaters by any means. And I actually yeah. had, I'll tell you this, Alex, and again, I haven't made my pick yet or anything, but I had South going to winning this game in the preseason. I, I thought this was a game, the Gamecocks were going to go to, go to Neyland and, Get like a now. Granted, my preseason prediction was thirty-one to twenty-eight, and us scoring thirty-one points at this point might be a miracle. It might be our defense scoring four touchdowns. Heck, I don't know. But uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be certainly one of the more intriguing games for South Carolina this season. I think. I think it's a real coin flip. I think if you look at the history of South Carolina, Tennessee, especially the last couple of years, it's been some wacky games in their own right, very back and forth. But again, I, I think to get to bowl eligibility, and this could be an ashamed we're looking for that first SEC win. We talk about how week to week college football is, I, just the the how the mentality and the mood and the mindset of this Carolina fan base will shift if you're able to get this win because all of a sudden you move to four and two, then you got Vandy yeah. for homecoming. All of a sudden, we're right where we all thought we'd be. All is fine in Gamecock Nation. Um, last thing else before I let you go, though, watching again. I guess I, I asked this question yesterday about the judging the overall temperature of the fan base in regards to Shane Beamer and building up the program. And, I, you know, I, I know that seems like a ridiculous question five games in, but being there in person watching it, again, you you have sort of those ties to Shane Beamer, if you will, and you obviously wanted him to get the job. Your just overall thoughts on seeing a Shane Beamer coached football team on the field of play, things you like, things you want to see improve, um, overall takeaways?
2: I mean, I think the energy on the sideline was fantastic, which is what you'd expect from – Somebody like Shane that's just, you know, an eternal optimist that wants to build something. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's probably undersold, like, where we were from, a you know, just a program standpoint after 2019 and 2020. And just, like, the general opinion, like, where we went from 2013 to 2020 was the really, really bad trajectory. And, you know, even you, you had good recruiting classes in there. So it's not like we don't have talented players, but you've you've almost got to get everybody to like rebuy into the system, right? And it's a brand new system. It's brand new coordinators. Like defenses responded in a big way under these new conditions we just got to get the offense there and so you know every week you've got an opportunity to like go out there and build on something it's like you know we went out there we threw the ball 34 times we were successful can we build on that can we build on the reverse plays can we build on that offensive play calling to give us a chance in this and let the defense continue to be opportunistic so i think that's and obviously some special teams razzle-dazzle from being involved, But, you know, like, other than that, it's just like, can you continue to build on this stuff and get better? And more than anything, that's what I want to see in Knoxville this weekend. And I would love to get out of there, obviously, with a win. But if we can build on that stuff, mm. I mean, that's huge going into Bandy and it's huge going into the rest of the year. Because, I mean, everybody that's left on our schedule, like those are teams that have flaws. Like, we don't have to play Georgia again. So, you know, if you can turn that corner – like, you kind of put yourself into a lot of toss-up matchups, and I think that's big. I mean, even, like, Clemson sitting out there, you know, if you can turn the corner on offense, like, you've got a chance. Yeah, And yeah, I think, I, like, yeah. the, the further you can build on that stuff in an away game, in Nealon in that environment, like, that's huge for confidence going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. A lot of those matchups in the second half of the season that seemed so daunting, and they're still daunting, don't get me wrong, but – a lot of those matchups that seemed so daunting, all of a sudden it's like, wow, these teams look very mortal. I mean, Florida's got a slew of issues. AM doesn't have their quarterback. I mean, look at what Clemson's doing for the love of God. I, their, their fans have just got to be up in arms. Um, you know, Mizzou, Mizzou <laughs> looks most, terrible. Most of my friends,
2: yeah, I was going to say, most of my friends who are Clemson fans are not even recognizing football season this year. So <laughs> you love to see that.
1: Couldn't happen to a better bunch. I, to yeah, the I agree. Point, yeah, to the point you were making, though, Alex, about, I think something people don't really take into consideration, this was something that kind of hit me uh, Sunday afternoon. Is like, it, I almost feel like we're having to learn how to win again. Like, th- that's a huge part of it. You know what I mean? Like, we're having to learn how to overcome adversity. And I, that, you know, there are many things to complain about and dissect and break down and issues from a game like Troy. But it's like, the fact that we're able to, and you know, as a, as a former player, man, like, it's, it's a lot more fun to watch film and have teachable moments and improve on things off of a victory versus off of a loss. So, like, I guess I just have perspective of, like, you know, these feel like some of these moments that are happening felt like moments where we were having to learn very hard lessons coming off of losses. Now we're doing it. We're finding a way to get the win, and at least you have that to hang your hat on. And, again, I think it's just a program like you mentioned, man. You went through what you went through, and I think people have to have appreciation. It's like, I mean, this is a group of guys that, they all went through that turmoil last year, and they're almost having to relearn how to be successful and, and win and do the things it takes to, you know, have a successful football, football program. And I think that's why people like you and I and so many have been preaching, you get to six and six, you get to a bowl game. That's a huge victory this year.
2: It's he, I mean, it, it, a lot of the guys, not even last year, but the year before that, where you go four and eight, mm-hmm. you know, and then you go four and eight, and then you go two and eight, and now it's like you got a new regime in there. And you gotta kind of relearn all this stuff. You gotta you gotta get back and to your point, like remember what it feels like to win mm. and you know appreciate that win and build on that win, and then go out there and give yourself another opportunity to put yourself in that position. And that that's that's a huge that's that's a big milestone and something that's really hard to turn the corner on, but like we can get there.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's like the chicken or the egg conversation, Alex. It's like what comes first, confidence or success because you need to be confident to be successful. But obviously when you get success, it breeds more confidence. I think Shane's done a really good job of, like you said, taking a a bunch of Gamecocks that maybe were battered, beaten and bruised a little bit over the last couple of years and just getting them to believe that, Hey, something positive is going to work out. The breaks are going to go your way. And I don't know, man, I, I know fans will say, Oh, it's ECU, it's Troy. We should be winning by more, but I'd argue on the other side, I don't know that you win those games if you don't have that new belief that I think he's, he's instilled in the program.
2: Oh, a hundred percent, and it's like you know. I was talking to my buddy who I was sitting with um, at the game, and it's you know, it's you know, it's like you know, would Steve Spurrier like struggle coaching this offense, hmm. or or something to that effect? You know, it's like you get these new coaches that come in that kind of change things on a dime, like Lane Kiffin going to Ole Miss. All of a sudden, Ole Miss is world beaters on offense, and I think it's really like it's being able to recognize the the niche advantage that you have and i think like fingers crossed like we may have figured out what our you know niche advantage may have been this past weekend and we can build on that
1: for sure alex (laughs) we all hope alex always a pleasure man again a huge one upcoming this weekend gamecocks the nooner at Neyland Stadium against Rocky Top. And I know we don't normally talk gambling, Alex, until tomorrow, but sounds like Alex McGrath is locked in. Gamecocks plus 10. Best bet for the weekend. You, are you, you good on locking in on that?
2: Also, maybe hitting I, I, I liked over. 12 better.
1: 10's <laughs> <laughs> a little scarier. 10's a little scarier.
2: 10 just feels like push territory to me. I just like 12 better. What's um, You know,
1: what's beautiful about that, though, Alex, is as nervous as we are, I almost think and expect – Tennessee fans are a thousand times more nervous than South Carolina fan, fans are the way their football program has gone over the last decade or so.
2: So, I guess we yeah, got that going I on. mean, I mean realistically everyone let's, let's let's look in the mirror and see where we could have been with this. Right.
1: Yeah. Very good point. Alex, again, it's always a pleasure my friend. I appreciate you doing this and uh, like I said, hope, hopefully we're talking about a Gamecocks W this time next week. But again, always look forward to. it, My friend, appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. He's Alex McGrath. I'm Chris Filtz. We appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.